Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. All right, and away we go on this Tuesday, and it's brought to you by our good friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. If you want to weigh in on the show, 936-6262 is the number to text, and our text line is powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. Lots going on today. NHL, a full slate. Arizona at Montreal, Dallas at Toronto. Vegas visits Winnipeg. That's a key matchup in the West. Detroit's at Edmonton. Oilers got to have that one. Vancouver home to New Jersey. We'll talk NHL hockey a little later on with Peter Lubardius in our Peter's Puck segment that uh, we're going to do regularly on this show. Western Hockey League action, a game you'll hear right here on 620 CKRM after the sports cage with Dante DeCaria, Regina at Medicine Hat, Pats just out of the playoff bubble. They start a five-game roadie tonight in the hat. Moose Jaws at Brandon Saskatoon at uh, Red Deer. One of the CFL's most talented and charismatic figures over the last two decades is coming back home. Yes, indeed. Henry Burris, who was with the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy's uh, staff, is coming back. He's going to be an offensive consultant with the BC Lions. So we're in the process of lining him up for the show tomorrow. We were going to have him on today, but we've got a loaded show, man. So much to get to, including this. The, the March Madness tournament is starting, and I want to bring in my buddy Ryan Mishorek, who is a longtime employee here. He's worn a bunch of different hats, uh, and he's wearing his hat backwards today as he's come in at the last moment to be my operator, and I thank you very much for that. I have compiled... Now, I'm not into the March Madness, dude. Like, I don't know. Me either. I mean, I'm into college sports because my kid's down there, but I'm going to go with Tennessee to be in the final against Gonzaga. My reasoning, Tennessee wears orange. I like the color orange. That's why the BC Lions are my second favorite team in the CFL. And Gonzaga, cool name. They're from the Spokane, Washington area. Broadcasting Pats games back in 2001. I was in Spokane. That's why I'm going with it. That's really my reasoning. I don't even know who to even take, to be completely honest. If, I can't. I don't think I've wa- ever watched an NCAA basketball game in my in my life. Well, I like it better than the NBA, to be honest with you. I've soured on the NBA. But anyway, with that in mind, 936-6262. Let's fire up some interaction on this damn show, uh, okay? It's new sheriffs in town. We want some texts. We want some calls. I need you to text. You're voting right now. Oh, so you're going to actually make me work today. Yeah, it's the... It's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, I'll buy you coffee tomorrow. It's called the Tournament of Awesome. I've come up with 64 awesome things in life. Okay? You will vote. We'll, we'll go bracket by bracket. Not today, over the course of whenever, right? Okay? So our first bracket, okay, on the NOD side, north of Dudney. The first, we'll have an NOD side and an SOD side, south of Dudney. So, Mosh, you can weigh in here. Money or friends? What would you vote for? Money 
or friends. 936-6262 if you want to text in the Capital Ford Lincoln text line. Money or friends, Mosh? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, well, you friends. are on the spot. Friends? friends. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can't. When you die, you want to be surrounded by by friends, not hundies. But it's cl- The friends Ooh. can throw the hundies in. Dude, I got to put two... Th- I got to put two kids through college. Uh, I've got a divorce lawyer to pay off. And that has set me back big time. I'm picking the money. We're tied. Because I got my family. I like you, Mosh, but I don't need you. I need my family. I need my significant other. And that's it. I don't really need anybody else. I don't really need anybody else. So I'm taking the cash. Fair enough. So anyway, it's a 1-1 tie. We'll see who moves on to the next round of the sports cage tournament of awesome all right so money versus friends 936-6262 the number to text and like i said all our guests come to you via the western pizza hotline but you knew that dinner time game time anytime a great time to order western pizza ask your local western pizza location about their specials i was there i can speak to it i was at spiro's place south albert today for lunch with my father clinton ball and my son ethan ball and me, Michael Ball. We all share the same middle name. Oh, no, wait. My dad has a different middle name. That's terrible. What a terrible son. <laughs> My son and I have the same middle name. Oh, anyway, anyway, I was there. It was great. We had some salad, some pizza. It was all good. Uh, our first guest is an agent. Lots going on north and south of the border with the NFL and the CFL. Uh, he represents or partially represents, co-represents Alex Singleton. He used to play for the Stamps, then of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now he's a free agent, and he represents a bunch of players in the CFL. Of course, we're coming up on the CBA. It's Chris Lamberis joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Chris, thanks for joining us on the show. These are interesting times, both in the NFL and the CFL. One of the guys that left the CFL for the National Football League and has done really well in the NFL is Alex Singleton. I don't think anybody's surprised by that, Chris. Uh, just your thoughts on, on your client, a, a guy you uh, co-represent. Yeah, you know, Alex is a tremendous person, and, and I mean, he's a heck of an athlete. And, and as you notice this year in Philadelphia, offering him to be a, a captain. So, I mean, that definitely speaks not only his capability to, to ball on the field, uh, but also off the field and in the locker room. He's just, he's a, he's a great guy, stand-up guy. The teammates love him. So, um, definitely you're going to get a lot of good, attributes and characteristics from him but as you saw i mean he, he's a freak he plays silent the sideline uh not a stranger to to get into plays and make plays i mean he's had pick sixes he led the team in tackles and and the guy's just a hard-nosed player how much does a guy like alex singleton coming from the cfl help open the doors for other players either canadian or american that want to uh, get the ultimate dream and play in the nfl yeah, it definitely does. And, I mean, you know, we see a lot of good CFL players make that transition to the NFL. And when you see a player do that, it, it definitely also adds legitimacy to it for other teams to look at uh, what's north of the border. And that's even going beyond just the typical CFL to NFL transition. I, I think we're starting to see a lot of good Canadians playing down south in the NCAA. Um, you know, we see Chase Claypool and, and you know, we see these other players that are coming up and making immediate impact. So, uh, I, I think it's not a surprise anymore. It's not a shock when you see Canadians have a lot of success down there. What's interesting, Chris, is that they have this um, 
this new deal with American players who are playing or for players playing college football where they can uh, make money off their image and likeness. But I don't think that's the case for Canadians. Am I right when I say that? That is correct. And it's actually a, a gray area. It's an area that I've been really working hard to, to find some loopholes. But long story short, it just comes down to, to more of an immigration policy and their visas because Canadians are down there on student visas and there's limitations for them. Uh, to work and seek income while they're in the United States. So of the universities and the programs that I've talked to in the compliance departments, they just don't want to take a chance on a player earning income from NIL, thus them losing their visa status, which then would make them unable to attend university and ineligible. So it, it is something that they are looking at, which is unique, is is pro athletes go down on on a pro visa, an O one visa, um, there's a couple other options. So it just be interesting to see if regulations are going to change. Are they going to allow players to, to look at visa options that pro players are allowed to have, thus they can earn income, or um, is legislation just going to change to allow current student visas to, to earn NIL? But right now they're not allowed to, which is unfortunate because I, I think there'd be great opportunity for, for a lot of the Canadians to capitalize on it. This is a uh, NFL and CFL player agent, Chris Lambrys. Now, Chris, are you surprised? Here's here's the better way to phrase it. You're more surprised by Russell Wilson getting traded to the uh, Denver Broncos from Seattle, or Tom Brady coming out of retirement? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I was definitely surprised with with Tom Brady. Honestly, I didn't expect that one to to, to come out two months after. It was. It was- kind of interesting when when his retirement came out and it was kind of leaked and you know i i thought for sure he was definitely going to stick to his word and, and play you know his x amount of years what did he say till he was 45 he wanted to play but mm-hmm. um denver i'm not surprised with that i mean I, I honestly think seattle won that trade i mean they got a lot in return for him so um shopping him around and getting opportunity i think to win for for both ways I, I think russell's probably looking for a new chapter in his career and and somewhere new and, and maybe somewhere where he felt he could be more competitive and maybe have a shot at winning yeah is that going to happen in denver I, I don't know but um tough to say yeah so the la rams won the super bowl it's kind of uh you know they're they're fighting for that market in la i don't know that they'll ever get it between the chargers and rams i think they're still going to be further down the food chain in terms of sports but the chargers are making moves with big justin herbert on his rookie deal that that really is the recipe for success you get that quarterback who's like a matthew stafford that's not earning the big big bucks anymore or you get one of those rookie guys like a Justin Herbert or in the Seahawks case back in the day, Russell Wilson, when he wasn't making the huge cash. And that's how you win. Because I think the stats bear it out, Chris. If your quarterback makes almost 13% of the cap, you generally don't win the Super Bowl. And I think we're going to see that with the Green Bay Packers now and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, it is tough, too, when you speak on the Green Bay standpoint. I mean, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is, is worth that money or close to it. Did they overpay? But... I mean, when you got an MVP and, and one of the best quarterbacks, you have to pay him for what he's done. Um, are they going to see that return over the next four years as he comes into his career? I don't know, but he's put up the numbers, so mm-hmm. it's justifiable. But, but I, I agree. I, I think you need that cap space. I mean, obviously your quarterback's your your number one guy, and you need to have a really good quarterback. But you don't necessarily need the best quarterback in the league to win. Um, and when you look at what the Rams did defensively and all the acquisitions they did, and um, I think you kind of you might see a little bit shift to more of an NBA style where teams are going to start 
loading up with cap space and bringing in vet guys and guys that can contribute immediately. Uh, but that said, it's a lot easier to do on a rookie contract with a quarterback. Uh, a lot more difficult to do it when you got Rogers at the end of his career who's demanding 50 a year. Mm-hmm, for sure. Chris Lambery's joining us here, a player agent, both sides of the border in the world of football. Um, should we should we be concerned that we haven't heard anything about a CFL CBA? We're uh, we're running out of runway here. I'm not too concerned with with the CBA, CFL CBA. Like I I know they're you know starting negotiations right now, and they had said it to be done around this time. So I, I'm not too concerned yet. I I think the challenge is going to be uh, for me to dive into the CBA is you know what's going to change, and, and is the CFL going to just leverage COVID as an excuse? And we know the CFL generally speaking, is in a profitable league and then going through a, a global pandemic. I mean, they're definitely going to keep that in their back pocket with revenues pretty much being hammered over the last year. So um, you just hope that players are going to get taken care of. They're going to, you know, take care of some of this compensation. I don't know if there's going to be an increase, but I, I hope they can at least fix some things like the movement of players and the short-term contracts. Yeah, no, that was something I had written down here to talk to you about. Two-year contracts. You see some guys signing more two-year contracts, which is great. I think that is good all the way around. I'm sure that's that's what you guys would like to see in terms of uh, your clientele. And what else would they like to see your clients in general? Yeah, that, that's a that's a main one. I, I think is the length of, of contract, and obviously you want to get paid more. I mean, you can only get paid what what the league makes and and the revenue split and how that's going to look, but. That, that is a big deal. I mean, a lot of these players have families and, you know, they're set up in a community. It's very hard to do that if you're moving around every year to a new place in Canada, especially if you are American. So to me, I think that's going to be front and center is, is the length of contracts. How do we make them longer or can we offer some sort of guarantee uh, to it so that you're not as disposable? Uh, I think those two things, adding length and providing some sort of guarantee to the player or just making it a cap hit if a player is released will still force teams to maybe best longer term in the player. What makes you a good agent? What makes a good agent? I, I think for sure I trust and transparency. Uh, those are some of the factors that, that I always lead by with my players is that uh, it's not just the good. I, I mean, if you've got the best player in the league, I mean, you're going to get paid. Uh, the player is going to get a really good contract. To me, it's what you do when things aren't going good. When a, when a player is going through free agency, you know, are they getting the value that they should? And it's just being transparent to them uh, what to expect. Um, and that, that trust, right, and that relationship building extends to communication. Uh, you know, I'm always on my phone. I'm always making sure that I'm available for my players and that I'm always going to have opportunity to provide them with legit transparent communication you're not going to just blow things up um you know trying to sell a client so they sign with you and then when you onboard them you know if that's not the case so i think trust and transparency is very very important um as well as what else can you do for the client um you know the agency i'm with they'll settle management you know we're a full service agency we've got a lot of clients through the olympic games ufc to even social media influencers so we try and provide players with opportunity off the field that also transition to when they're done playing can they use their pro platform to continue to earn them income or open up doors so that they have a future after football because we know it's a short yeah you know it's a short career especially in the cfl you get guys that only play one or two years 
And that also happens down well, south in the NFL. Well, I look at uh, Derek Moncrief, had him on the show last week, and he is uh, he's content with his NFL dream being done. He came back, he's marrying a local girl here in Regina, but he loves Regina. He's immersing himself in the community, wants to be a part of the community. Regina's not the most attractive, let's be honest, okay? It's not the Vancouver's or, you know, even the Calgary's or Edmonton's of the CFL, especially for these younger guys. But as you as you look at it, how do you... How do you go about selling it to a guy that, hey, Regina would be a good place to go because you can be a real star off the field, maybe more than any other market? 100%. I mean, there's a few things, you know, that the riders definitely, you know, have in, in their back pocket as an advantage to attract a client. I mean, look at the facilities, look at the fans, you, you look at the community and the support. You know, we talked a bit about Aaron Rodgers, and I mean, Regina is, you know, the Green Bay Packers of the CFL. And when you play football for the riders, it is meaningful. You, you are somebody in the community, and that does open up other doors. And, and whether that's just more opportunity from, from marketing opportunities during your career, but definitely when you look at the success that a lot of football players have had playing for the riders, and now you know they're successful real estate agents, or you know they venture into other opportunities, and they're able to successfully grow a clientele base because of their status as a rider. So. Um, I, I think when you add all those elements in and, and just the people of Saskatchewan, you and I know we're, we're from Saskatchewan, everybody can attest to that, is being from this community is is they care about their players. And, and, you know, it's a lot different than going to Vancouver. And there's other factors too. I mean, the cost of living, you know, you get put on the BC lines or you play for Toronto, you know, you're going to have higher costs. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, you talked about being transparent and trustworthy with your clients. How about... I would assume one of the hardest things to do is talk to them about their true worth because guys think they're worth more than they are. And you got to talk to them in a pragmatic business kind of way, don't you? That's got to be a hard part of your job. It, it is. And I mean, obviously everybody thinks they're, they're better than they are. That's not a negative. I mean, when you're dealing with pro athletes, their confidence isn't an issue with pro athletes. And, and I think that's just having that transparency and, and, and understanding where they fit in the league who can you compare them to as players? Um, and there, there's a lot more that goes into it too. Obviously, the fit of the team and salary cap, and are they able to offer certain amounts, or can a team even afford the player? But I think when you have that trust, it doesn't become an issue because the player knows you're going to get them the best deal possible. Mm-hmm. If a player doesn't trust you, then they start wondering, okay, why why am I coming? Why are you coming back at me with this amount? How come it's not worth more? And and so on and so on. So trust is very very important. Chris, Chris, it's sorry for cutting you off. Last question. We're up against the clock. I look at this combine regional and national and you know, it's great in Canada that for instance, the BC lions, we have two Canadian quarterbacks on the roster, although it's ridiculous. One only counts as a Canadian, the one that plays the other guy isn't Canadian, even though he's standing on the sideline. Of course, I'm talking about Rourke and O'Connor, but to me, it is, it's mind boggling that the most important position in sports, North American sports, is the quarterback position, and we only have four involved in either regional or the national combine for the CFL. As an agent, does that make you shake your head too? Yeah, I mean, obviously being Canadian, you want to see Canadian quarterbacks have more opportunity in the CFL. I think the CFL could do a lot more to also nurture that position. I mean, we have no problem putting stipulations on ratios and saying, you know, X amount of Canadians have to start, you know, half your roster approximately has to be that. We They come up with a global initiative saying you have to dress a global player. So 
why not make a team have a CFL quarterback? You know, and does that change the mindset of, of players coming up through youth sport and junior football? You know, see more quarterbacks buy into to making the CFL. They know they have an opportunity to make it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. At least, at least if it's warranted, get them on a roster and give a team an advantage for having a Canadian. And in this case, two Canadian spots should count for the BC Lions if it's warranted. Hey, Chris, thanks for your time. Uh, I welcome you on this show in the future because it's great to pick the brain of a guy on the inside. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. We'll have more of the Sports Cage right after this. And the show is brought to you by our good friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. If you want to weigh in on the show, we'd love to get your opinion on anything. Uh, It's powered our text line by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership, the number to text 936-6262. Time now for me to head out in the hotline with the coach and general manager of the Weyburn Red Wings. That would be Cody Mapes, the son of Cliff Mapes, former Pats front office executive, now with the PA Raiders. Your first year coach and GM, how did you find it? That was good. You know, it's a big learning curve. Uh, obviously, the, the offseason has started a little earlier than we want, but we're, we're set up pretty good here for the next two or three years, so we're uh, we're looking forward to uh, to the years to come. What was the biggest eye opener for you? Uh, just you know the, the details of the game. You know, it's uh, the last the last couple of years, obviously with uh, with COVID and the year before. I, I don't think that uh, you know I was I learned enough about how how detailed you have to be. You you look at the teams that that have success in this league, and they're uh, they're either ultra ultra skilled, or like the Esteban Bruins and the uh, the Humble Broncos, or their details are unbelievable. Like you play against you know Melford, Flintlawn, and uh, Yorkton, like those teams are, are incredibly detailed. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a big difference for for us next year is how detailed things have to be on the ice. Tougher to be a coach or a GM? Do you think? Coach. Okay. for For the reason you <laughs> for the reason you just explained. Yeah, it, yeah, and you know what? Kids are different now. Like it's, uh, you know, it's not the old mentality of uh, you know just be hard on guys and guys work harder. It's you know, it, it, kids want to know why why they're doing things now, and that's fine. There's no re- there's no problem with that, but it's just you have so many different different personality types now, and uh, it, it's you know, kids are, are willing to go through a wall. They just they just need to know why they're going through a wall. You know, like. Hucker Johnny used to have an old saying where it was uh, connect before you correct, and that is it's very true now that if you don't have good relationships with your players, they they have a hard time uh, believing what you're saying. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of time that goes into building relationships as much as building your product on the ice. Got the SJHL playoffs coming up this weekend. They start, we'll get to that in a second, with Cody Mapes, the uh, coach and GM of the Weyburn Red Wings. His team didn't make the playoffs, but he knows all these teams well, and he can give us an inside scoop. So, But you talk about that, connecting before you correct. You build kind of a relationship with these guys, and then in a lot of cases, you have to ship them off. That's tough, isn't it, to wear two different hats? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you... uh kind of being around the WHL a little bit growing up, you you kind of got to see, like, GMs keep, keep an arm's length from the players at times. Uh, not all the time, obviously, but, you know, sometimes that the GM side, you have to make a, a little bit of a cutthroat decision, and it, it sucks when you're 
you know, the other the other half of your brain is the head coach, and you know you're letting a kid go that uh, that you don't want to. Um, you know, we we let a kid go earlier this year, JD Hall of York, and he's had a good year in York. And uh, you know, it's, it's good to see these guys have success. But a kid like that, like great kid, but you know, just we he had an opportunity somewhere else, and so it's uh, you know, ones like that suck. It's uh, you're trading good good people away after you make such an such a, an effort to to make sure you have good people in your program. Cody, what about when you send a guy like Bernie away? Braden Bernie, who is uh I mean, he's his his family's uh, you know, tied into that community. He's a great off the ice ambassador when you send him away. I know he, you know, you send him away with the hopes that he does well in another league, but it it, it kind of sucks too. Oh, that is uh that's the hardest trade I hope I ever have to make. Um you know, we, he was kind of involved in it a little bit. He knew it was coming. Um, but, you know, he's, I, the last two years I spent a lot of time with him on the ice, helping him develop. But then off the ice, you know, we golfed together a lot. And, and uh, you know, having that assistant coach relationship with him was, was, was great. Uh, but that, that's the hardest trade I hope I ever have to make. Uh, kind of reminds me of when uh, – Josh Harding came back from World Juniors, and Brent Parker had to trade him. I, you can see in Parker's uh, interview that it was that was a tough one. It's, it's kind of always reminded me of that as I was going through the Bernie trade. Okay, uh, you're my uh, SJHL playoff expert. I couldn't ask anybody better, so let's dig into these series. Estevan at Notre Dame, Humboldt at Laurent. I expect those to go as advertised. Humboldt and Estevan are the two best teams. Who's better, Estevan or Humboldt? Oh, man, they're... Uh, they're pretty close. Like they, they're very different. Estevan's pretty heavy and and skilled. Uh, Humboldt will score ten on you if you let them. But uh, you know, I think that out of those two teams, I think Racer Anthony gives Humboldt a slight edge. Okay, cool. Um, now Melfort taking on Yorkton. Let's talk about that series. That that'll be an interesting one. You talk about details and uh, a buttoned-up series. Does that have the potential to go the distance? It's going to be a series where I think two goals can probably win any game. Um, Yorkton, Yorkton doesn't give up much. Melford is one of the hardest teams to play against, and uh, looks like Fabro is, is healthy now and playing, playing in goal. So I mean, they're uh, they're going to be tough to score on. It's you know, special teams might be might be the difference there. If uh, Yorkton can get their power play going, I think they got a chance to make it a long series. Flynn Flon and the Battlefords in the other one. It's always an interesting thing to go into Flynn Flon. <laughs> I did it once in my life. It's like going into the Twilight Zone. You can't even explain to people how crazy it is at times. Uh, just your thoughts on that series. Yeah, no, that Flynn Flon rink is uh, it's one of the best. Um, you know, it's, they've, Flynn Flon's going to be good. Cal Shell's one of the best in the league in that. Um, if Battleford's uh, goaltending is healthy, they'll give him a run. But, you know, I, I got I got Flint Flon in that one. But, it's uh, again, that'll be a long one, too. I think six or seven for sure. Battleford has some young guys that can uh, they can really play. And if they get if they get their mojo going, they're going to be tough to beat, too. Do you still hate uh, – th- th- does Weyburn still hate Estevan and vice versa? Uh, you, could, you could say that, yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you were quick to give Humboldt the edge. I like that. Uh, but, hey – the, the big tourney, the Centennial Cup, is in Estevan. I would suggest, though, whether there's hatred there or not, it's a celebration of the league. It's great for the league to come together and put on a good show for the entire country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, Estevan, 
they've done the town's done a good job to, to support the team and fill the rink and uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be exciting for for the town there um, but no it's it's pretty exciting for the league too I mean we you know probably gonna have we'll gonna have two teams there and so we'll uh, you know the league will have a good chance to play in a final and showcase you know showcase how good the league is there were talks that they might expand the the tourney to 10 teams did that get kibosh i know i talked to nolan cole the voice of the esteban bruins he said he had heard rumors about that as far as a month ago far back as a month ago yeah i think it's still rumors but i i know there's been some real talk about it i just don't know uh I don't know if anything's been finalized yet. I'm not mm. sure. So my last question, and I do have a soft spot for this league. That's where I got my broadcasting start back in Estevan, uh, traveling to all these leagues. Uh, it was always a league that still had its challenges financially. How is it through COVID? Because I always worried about the SJHL. You no, know, uh, to be honest, the, the government definitely helped. Um, you know, the grants and stuff like that to keep to keep nonprofit organizations. Uh, healthy and strong and you know we're we're going to come out of this in uh, in good shape after a year where we can finally get people back in the building uh you know our last few games we we're back up to that eight nine hundred people again so it was it was good to uh on the financial side put some put some money in the bank again um but no i think uh, i think everybody's okay um you know i would say that i would say that some teams uh have really have really taken off since the restrictions are have been taken off here too so uh you know we were in melfer and pardon me in Esteban the other night and get 2300 people in the building so um no the, the league is good the league is strong and uh it looks good here for the future well we're looking forward to a bright future in Wayburn with this guy running things on the bench and in the front office that would be the coach and gm of the Wayburn red wings cody mapes uh take care my friend enjoy the sjhl playoffs thanks baldy Let's get a leg up on special teams. Time for Kicking It with John Ryan. Yeah, so John Ryan, former rider, punter, former Super Bowl champion, does a segment on our pregame show called Kicking It, and we're going to do it once a week here on the Sports Cage during the offseason. He joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, uh... JR, I've uh, started the Tournament of Awesome. By the way, first off, are you into March Madness? Do you watch it? Do you know what's going on? Do you bet on any games? Uh, I'm not a big better, but this is kind of the time of year I kind of get into basketball. I don't really follow it much uh, up until about a week ago. Mm-hmm. So I pick uh, I pick Tennessee because I like orange, and I used to be a Volunteers football fan. So I picked Tennessee, and Tennessee's going to go against Gonzaga because they got a cool name, and they come out of Spokane, and I like Spokane, Washington. That's my reasoning. <laughs> Does that seem pretty safe? No, there's no, there's no uh, problem with any of that. I think that's dead on. <laughs> put all my money. Put so all we'll my. You go about this. Put I, all I, my would, I wouldn't be betting too much money if I was you. But okay. Go ahead. Okay, so but I am launching something here in the sports cage today called Tournament of Awesome. I've come up with I, what I think are 64 awesome things in life. Now there could be others, but hey, this is the show that I'm running right now. So this is the uh, Tournament of Awesome, as Ballsy puts it together here on the sports cage. So the first bracket, John Ryan. Money or friends? Where do you vote? Who's moving on? Uh, well, I've, I've had both, and I've, I've uh, lost both. So uh, this is an interesting one, but uh, without a doubt, it's friends. You know, I think that uh, I've had a, a lot of fun with, with money in my life, but every time I think back of all the greatest experiences of my life, 
uh, there was a friend uh, right next to me. So mm. definitely friend. That's a good way to put it. I picked money because I'm paying off a divorce. <laughs> uh, I got kids to put through college. Uh, uh, the divorce has set me back a bit, so now I'm uh, I have a bunch of radio station T-shirts and coffee mugs. So as much as you are my friend, that I really do value our friendship. Bye bye, John. I'm taking cash, buddy. <laughs> I understand. I think there was probably a time in my life when I had a lot of friends and very few cash, so I probably was taking cash. Yeah. Uh, and now it's uh, a little bit different stage in my life, but yeah. I understand where you're coming Well, from. who's kidding who, Ryan? If I have money, I have a lot more friends than I actually need. So cash, you'll get friends. I mean, that's one way. Yeah, but at that point, you don't have friends. You just have hanger-oners. Uh, you guys just hanging on to mm-hmm. you know, get those free drinks from the, uh, yeah. the spill-off chicks. How many how many people did you play with like that that had a lo- a big entourage and you you just knew that they were being dragged down and did you ever have a conversation with the teammate you don't have to name them but did you ever have a conversation with somebody saying hey man like do you think this is smart Yeah I think that, I, I didn't see like huge entourages I think I in Seattle when we kind of got big there there are some guys that you know were driven to practice every day with uh, security guards and uh, some uh, some friends friends from back home in the back seat stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was usually family that kind of brought guys down. I remember playing with a guy in uh, in uh, Green Bay. He was a, a very famous player at the time, and he flew his sister out to a game. Uh, you know, put her up at the hotel, did the whole thing, and then she came to him and asked for him for uh, two days paid because she had to miss two days of work. So she'd appreciate it. If he paid paid her two days of pay oh. for work stuff like that. You know, you just. You know, you'd shake your hand and you uh, you felt pretty good that I have my uh, small group of friends back home and my mm-hmm. close-knit family that didn't, uh, didn't ever do that to me. I was going to say, would Steve, your brother, ever ask you that? Would he, hey, listen, man, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you're, you're taking me away from the old mortgage business, the investment business. Are you uh, going <laughs> to cough up some cash, John? Uh, not in a million years. Not in a million years that he do that to me. <laughs> okay, John, let's talk about some of the goings-on in the NFL. Uh, everybody was talking, okay, so Deshaun Watson... Uh, he was checking out Cleveland today, and then Carolina and the Saints were in the mix. But all of a sudden, there's talk Atlanta will be interested. Are you surprised by that? And that might be actually the best fit of all. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not. I think that uh, Atlanta's kind of, I don't want to say worn out, but I think they're kind of ready to move on from Matt Ryan. You know, he's obviously been an unbelievable quarterback for decade plus for them but i think at a certain time you have to uh, you have to move on from your guy and i think it might be time for them to move on so i wasn't that surprised when i saw them poking around for sean so would uh matt ryan he looked good in a few jerseys like i know they got to move on from garoppolo but san francisco was a whisker away from a super bowl how about the indianapolis colts because they did inquire about watson but you know the texans aren't going to trade within their own division they got a championship defense there like they're right there would be the fifth quarterback in the last five years for frank reich but uh, matt ryan might Matty Ice might look good in Indy. I think he would. You know, I think that might be a good fit for him. You know, it's it's uh, this quarterback carousel that Russell Wilson kind of set off here has been pretty interesting. It's been, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, but there's not a lot of big blockbusters in the mm-hmm. NFL, and that uh, Russell Wilson blockbuster kind of set things into a, a carousel here with quarterbacks, and I think it could be pretty interesting to see what happens there as well. Because I think Matty Ryan might be a good fit. I think. Uh, He's going to go to a team that's kind of ready to win right now. You know, realistically, he probably only has two or three years left in him. He's not a guy you're going to bring in uh, for 10 years, obviously. So I think that will be pretty interesting to see where he ends up, too. Would you agree with me at this point in their careers, Deshaun Watson would get a bigger haul or should get a bigger haul for Deshaun Watson as opposed to your uh, old teammate, uh, Russell Wilson? 
Uh, it, it's tough to say. You know, it, in terms of skill, I think Deshaun Watson's an unbelievable quarterback. Um, in terms of him as a person, <laughs> you know, what, mm-hmm. what, what we found out, what, uh, mm-hmm. what's going on with him, that's definitely going to set him back. He definitely uh, makes his stock a little less valuable, in my opinion. It's, it's a little bit rough to bring that guy into your market and try to explain to your fans why you're bringing in a guy with uh, this much uh, things looking uh, looking not so good for him. So I think that's a, a tough sell. So I think that's going to drive his value down a little bit. So the Rams won the Super Bowl. The Chargers share a stadium uh, with them. They rent from the Rams and Stan Kroenke. So uh, it's kind of a battle for, um, I guess, interest in L.A. I would never say either of those teams will own that market. Lakers, USC, there's a bunch of other interests there in terms of sports. But the Chargers trying to keep up with the Rams, and they're trying to do it how they got to do it with Herbert on his rookie deal because it's been proven once you pay a quarterback almost 13% of the cap, any, anything north of 12, you probably don't win. Like you guys won on a cheaper Russell Wilson deal, if I'm not mistaken. Do you like what the Chargers are doing? J.C. Jackson from uh, from the uh, uh, New England Patriots. They went and got Khalil Mack. They signed a guy away from the Rams in the interior. Uh, and then Austin Jackson coming over, D-tackle from the Giants. Yeah, let's get TB12, the quarterback. Your window is usually in those first four years that you got a quarterback after the draft. And I think this is kind of the window for the Chargers with Herbert still on that, uh, that rookie deal, uh, as you mentioned, back in 2013. That's how... We won the Super Bowl. You know, we were paying our quarterback, I think, like a half a million dollars at the time, or seven, seven, mm-hmm. whatever it was. But when you pay in a quarterback uh, under a million dollars, and uh, you know, Green Bay has to pay theirs fifty. I mean, that that leaves a lot of cap room for a lot of other guys. I mean, with that uh, forty-nine million dollars, you're having, you know, potentially two or three Pro Bowlers in that that cap room. I think that's what the Chargers realize right now. I think they're making a good move. Yeah, you know what? And it's interesting. Nobody talks about this J.C. Jackson guy. This is a guy, I'm just looking at his stats here right now. J.C. Jackson, um, he was like the best cornerback here in the last uh, couple of years. In fact, he had eight interceptions last year. But it's kind of buyer beware when you, like, if why doesn't why doesn't Bill Belichick want him? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, um, it's always interesting stuff like that. You know, guys, uh, you know, you don't want to say they have a, a, a flash in the pan or whatever, but for some reason, guys are kind of uh, hesitant to sign guys like that sometimes just because they don't know if it's going to be a long-term thing. Uh, I don't know because he's uh, clearly a, a, been a great player. So, uh, I don't know. That's, it's interesting. Yeah, so he's given up eight touchdown passes in four years, and that same span he's picked off 25. Um, yeah, in, in 2021 and 2020, his season's ranked fifth and 13th among defensive backs. So that is a, a pretty good signing yeah. there. How about That's Randy? Not how, the pan, yeah, not a flash in the pan. How about Randy Gregory? Yeah. He signs with the Cowboys, doesn't like the language, and then goes to Denver. What do you make of that? And maybe Vaughn Miller ends up with the Cowboys now. Yeah, it'd be interesting where Vaughn ends up too. I think that uh, whenever players do that, I think fans kind of uh, look at them kind of kind of weird. But at the same time, I've been around this game of a professional football for 18 years, and teams will uh, get rid of guys after uh, you know I- anything. You know that they they often sign guys and they bring them in for a physical, and they they will uh, reject the contract just then and there with uh, the physical. It's kind of buyer's remorse we used to call it. And I think when uh, when the, the tables turn and the player does that to the club. Uh, as players, we don't we don't really mind it. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because uh, nobody seems to really uh, 
It's funny with fans, right? They don't seem to get mad at the team when the team does that. But say a Darian Durant takes a bonus from Winnipeg and then decides he's not playing. Everybody's up in arms and what a what a turncoat and what a loser. And the, and, and it, there's hate against the player. It's funny how it always goes that way, right? Because you know what it is? I can put a face to the salary. I can't really... like You could line 10 owners up that aren't named Jerry Jones and Arthur Blank and maybe Stan Kroenke. And fans wouldn't be able to pick them out. Like, I can guarantee you... Hardly any fans except for a loser Charger fan like me know who Dean Spanos is. Like, nobody can pick out these guys. Right. I, I've always tried to figure that out, too. I think that's probably a good point where you can put a face to these guys, whereas even just right now with the, the MLB lockout, you know, fans are saying your players should go back to work, your guys are millionaires. But if the players take a cut, the money doesn't trickle down to the fans. The money runs uphill to the billion-dollar owner, you mm-hmm. know? So the players are trying to get theirs because they're getting it from this billion-dollar owner. So it's just interesting how, I guess just because, as you said, you can put a face to it and you can, uh, you know, point the finger at that person easier. So uh, a couple more quick questions before I get a CBA thing on the on the, on the the Canadian Football League side. Aaron Rodgers making big bank now. It's going to affect the Packers. Like, you look at Devontae Adams. He wants big bank. I don't know if they have enough money to bring Devontae back, uh, how he wants to be brought back. And it's true. When you pay your money uh, money to a quarterback, you don't have a lot to go around after. No, that, I mean, you know, I think it was $50 million was this new contract yeah, or, yeah. or whatever it was. When you, when you take that big a percentage of the uh, salary cap, it's tough to pay that many other players. You know, you still got 52 other guys in the team that you got to pay. <clears throat> and with a league minimum of, you know, yeah, for a veteran, it's over a million. For young guys, it's whatever, five or 600000 It doesn't leave a lot left for those guys. In, in terms of NFL standards, I know in the, the real world that's still a lot of money. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers off and uh, – you know, complained over the years they didn't have a first-round draft pick to throw to. Uh, it, it's tough to have a first-round, you know, ten, fifteen million-dollar guy when you're taking fifty million of it for the last decade plus. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But yeah, it is a little tricky for that uh, salary cap when you pay the quarterback that much money. John Ryan joining us here, kicking it with John Ryan, the former uh, Super Bowl-winning punter from Regina, Saskatchewan Rough Rider, great too. So. Um, it took 40 days for Tom Brady to get sick of his family. He's like, I'm done. I can't <laughs> handle this. I got to get back to playing uh, football. But it's funny. We joke, but like guys like you too, uh, you play Canadian college. So it was a little different, but I know just through what my son goes through and then what, what must be all the way up, like from a, from a young age, from about 18, you're told when your meetings are, when your classes are, when your lift is, when supper is, when you get on the bus, when you get on the plane and that your life is structured for all those years. So even for a great, like Tom Brady, he's like, Okay, my wife's a supermodel. My kids are in middle school. I'm phoning a couple of buddies. They there's nobody answering the phone. He's like, "Well, I might as well go do what I like doing." Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't quite understand why he uh, he retired and uh, came back. I mean, I didn't think there was any rush to announce his retirement. There's in, in the NFL, you don't report back until with your team until like April 15th around mm-hmm. that time. Uh, and so <laughs> for him to rush into that decision and retire, then come back before you know it was even necessary was a uh, pretty interesting to me but yeah as you said you know since you know i was 18 i kind of had everything laid out for me if you said tuesday at two o'clock i could tell you exactly where i would be mm-hmm. uh at any time or give me any time of the week i'd tell you where i was going to be just because everything is so um 
set up for you in the world of especially was that tough for you was that tough was that was that tough for you john to to make the transition you got a bunch of balls in the air like you got a clothing company you got baseball teams you're doing a lot was it tough for you is it tough for you or you just knew hey i gotta stay busy so i got a lot of interest outside of the field because no offense but you think tom brady could find something to do yeah yeah, i'm sure he has some options that's for sure i think for me uh you know i don't think i struggled with it for you know, still deciding whether or not I'm going to play next year, and I luckily do have some options. But even in the off season now, uh, I kind of have to sit there the night before and I kind of write out my whole day, what I'm going to do, all the things I'm going to have to do, because that's kind of how I've always done it. You know, I have to wake up at a certain time, get things done at a certain time, be at certain places, or or I just feel like my day is unstructured. And uh, coming from such a structured background that is football. It's hard to adapt if you don't have that structure in your life. Do you uh, look at your list, though, at the end of the day? Because I do the same thing, and you, you got to one, two, and three, but four, five, and six didn't make it, and you feel like a loser? Like you only accomplished 50%? Yeah. Like I'm a loser. Every every damn day. Yeah. If I drew out 100 lists, I'd get to the end of it once every 100 days. You know, it's just, Your whole life is a list that doesn't quite get finished, I swear. Yeah, it's like you're beating yourself down. Uh, okay, so John, CBA, CFL, CBA, a lot different than the NFL. There, there may be starting talks here. Um, I mean, this is, and, and this isn't a cut down to the league, but the, the Players Association is the weakest of any of the professional sports. Like, I mean, really, do we really think the players aren't going to play? Of course they're going to play. And I think sometimes management takes advantage, maybe more than sometimes, takes advantage of that. Yeah, I think they definitely do. I think the players are in a weak spot, just that most of them need this money. You know, if uh, if we sat out a year, uh, you know, I would, I would assume almost all of them would have to go and find other jobs. Whereas in the NFL, I'd think that very few guys would have to do that. So they kind of have that power in the NFL and some of the other professional leagues that they don't have in the CFL. The guys, the guys need this money. You know, it's, we're not talking about big bucks. And when we come to these CBAs, it's kind of a, it is difficult because in the NFL, NBA, MLB, you're kind of trying to figure out how to divide up all these profits. In the CFL, you're trying to figure out how to divide up all the losses, basically. Yeah. So it, it's a little bit tougher, and the uh, it is a little bit weaker. And I will say that all those guys. That our uh, union reps, they work their butt off, and they're they're great guys, but uh, it's a little bit tough for them, for sure. John, it's great having you on, man. Uh, you're a very valued member of our team. We're not letting you go as long as you want to stay, so we will chat with you down the line. Have yourself a great weekend, my friend. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. That's John Ryan. Kicking it with John Ryan. Football royalty here in the Queen City. When we come back, a sports ticker on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball hosting the show wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. We really appreciate it. Our sports tickers brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Lots going on in the world of sports. The play-in games for March Madness are underway in the NHL tonight. We've got Arizona at Montreal. Dallas is in Toronto. Vegas Visits Winnipeg, Detroit, and Edmonton, and New Jersey on the road in Vancouver. Our Regatta Pats hosting the, or in Medicine Hat, sorry, starting a five-game road trip that's going to really determine their playoff hopes. They're just on the outside looking in. Our pregame show starts, I believe, at 6.35 here with Dante DeCaria. Moose Jaws at Brandon, Saskatoon at Red Year. Back to the NHL for a second. couple of other notes. Uh, Anton Kudobin has hip surgery, so he will not play the rest of the year. Stars will probably hold on to Saskatchewan 
veterans own Braden Holpe in net. There was some talk they might move him. The Wild have acquired forward Tyson Jost from the Avs for center Nico Sturm. Now, now that uh, what's that? Sorry, Ryan, you said in my ear. No, sorry. Uh, that. Um, that trade will clear up $1.3 million in cap space because uh, they did trade for uh, Josh Manson out of Anaheim. And one of the most talented and charismatic figures of play in the CFL in the last 25 years is coming back home. Henry Burris, who is with the Bears in a supportive role on the coaching staff, is doing kind of the same thing here with the BC Lions this year. Offensive consultant, he'll be on the show tomorrow at 5.05. So smiling Hank will join us okay and i do want to mention our tournament of awesome we'll talk march madness a little later on Uh, i'm not gonna lie to you i'm not an expert but i am an expert in 64 great things in life i came up with 64 awesome things in life and uh we're asking you as i uh, just asked with john ryan there uh, he picked friends over money i picked money it's all in where where you're at right now. Um, I asked on my Twitter page at the Real Ballsy. You can also weigh in at Sports Cage. Uh, David Larson says friends. Roger Flair says friends. Jim Houseker says friends. Mark Freeze says friends. You can text us nine three six sixty two sixty two. The number to text is powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Who moves on to round number two? It's the. 64 awesome things in life our awesome tournament on the sports cage you got friends i'm the only guy that's picked money so far don't i feel like one of those guys it's all where you are in your state of life man i don't i don't need for i love my friends don't get me wrong but i only go home and hang out with my girlfriend and when my kids come over and go see my parents like what i don't have so what you're saying is is you have a hard time making friends i'm a loser We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage after the 5 o'clock news on 620 CKRM. And wherever you're listening today, thanks for making us part of your day. We really appreciate it. Ballsy in the big chair, and we've already got off to a great start, and we'll continue this show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries by rolling to the Western Pizza Hotline for a segment we like to call Peter's Puck with the color commentator of the Calgary Flames Radio Network. That would be Peter Lubardius. Lou, you haven't been able to travel with the Flames, which is really, I know that's uh, that's been a, a, a kick in the gut for you, but you're a positive guy. You've spun it now to take in other hockey sporting events. So as I talk to you right now, please tell the Sports Cage listeners where Peter Lubardius is. Well, I'm in Penticton, British Columbia, at the Canadian Sports School Hockey League Championship Tournament. And as we speak and tape this interview, I am watching the under-15 prep division, which is a division that has brought all the Western Hockey League's scouting staffs here. It's, It's a big one on their calendar and the age group that will be drafted coming up in the middle of May. So... Yes, I uh, have indeed. I've taken some extra time and with my family back in Ontario and in Edmonton. Uh, it gives me a little extra time. So I don't know if I'm going to set my uh, all-time hockey-watching record this year, but I'm going to be close. Uh, Pete, what, what about sports, maybe hockey in particular? If you can pinpoint one thing, what puts a smile on your face? What keeps you craving it? 
You know, it's interesting you ask that question, but what keeps me craving it, and it really goes to even other sports. I just don't have as much time in my schedule and, and in my life to probably, you know, invest or watch as much. Michael, for me, there's never been anything that I've enjoyed more, for whatever reason, um, than watching young players develop in sports. I, I love to watch the journey, um, you know, it's been incredibly helpful in my career to kind of, in a sense, get ahead of it and watch a lot of players, you know, on their way up to better levels before they get there. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been that way since I was a little guy. I just, I love sports. I love live sports. You know, I love competition. And for me, it's really, you know, the level has really never mattered. You take me to a great football game, ballpark, hockey rink, obviously. I love it. I just, there's nothing that gives me that kind of enjoyment, really, than watching good competition in sports at, you know, at good levels. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, Peter, you speak about live sports and your love of it, and I agree. But I got to ask you this question. Are we having too many outdoor NHL games? You know, here's what I would say about outdoor NHL games. As, you know, you were witness to a couple of years ago, and I was lucky enough to participate when the Flames and the Jets played in Regina. For the community itself, they're amazing. You know, I would never, never say no to a community wanting to host one of those events. It's great for the city. Um, you know, and Regina did an amazing job in that incredible stadium. And um, so, you know, I, I would say no, but it's way more now to me. It, it's not necessarily great national appeal or North American appeal, but in the marketplace, I, I don't think you can go wrong holding one. I, I really don't. It's, it's, it's pretty spectacular, and if you haven't had a chance, I highly recommend it. That's a good way to put it. Uh, Austin Matthews in that game. Peter Lubardius had a nice, vicious cross-check on Darlene. He got a two-game suspension. Was that right on par with what you thought he'd get? Yeah, I think so. It, you know, it's really hard to know with players who haven't necessarily been, you know, previous big-time offenders. But, you know, it was completely unacceptable. And it definitely, for me, warranted a suspension. And, if that suspension even got to four or five, I don't think it was out of the realm. I really don't. But two, all things considered, situation, um, emotional moment, the player involved, yeah, I'm okay with two. So Mark Giordano of the Seattle Kraken, you'd have to think if they can get something decent for him, he'll be on the move. Um, could he be back in Calgary Flame Colors? Would he fit there? Um, it's a great question. I think as a player and, you know, a fit for the team, yes, yes. But what would you have to give up? But more importantly, Michael, you played sports your whole life, been around it. Um, it's not that I would be concerned about Mark the person, Mark the defenseman, but you got something going here pretty special in Calgary. And, you know, it's very much a Daryl Sutter-led team for right. sure. Right. But it's, 
That's a hard one for me to answer. It really is because. Do you think his you presence? Bring, do you think you, his? Do you think his presence would be where you're? Where I think you're going, and maybe I'm wrong. His presence, unfortunately, might upset the apple cart. Like it might be too much for that. They've already set their own presence uh, apart from the former captain. Is where I'm going with this. Well, well, well it, it it just changes the whole dynamic of your room again, and that's not to say that it couldn't necessarily be for the better. I just I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, and it's and it, it's an area where I haven't really seen this team on this type of you know path before, and and I think a lot of it has had to do with you know I guess the new leadership core in a sense, and they've added to it, and and I've said all year in Calgary that. You know, all the older veteran players that they've brought in, a lot of them with great familiarity with the head coach, I think has made a massive difference. Now, I do know the head coach is a is a big fan of that player. So, I don't know. It gets, it gets brought up. It's a great question. I just don't know, you know, and it's not I, – I love Mark as a player, and I love Mark yeah. as a guy. I just – Michael, I'm not sure how those things fit because it would be different and it would change. And, you know, for a lot of the guys there, I wouldn't want them to take a step back because, you know, they feel like he's back and Mm -hmm. so their leader's back. Yeah. I don't know. It's a great question. So it's not an easy one to answer. So another name out there that uh you know the Flames have been kind of casually linked to, I think, and the Oilers more so is Ben Sherrod out of Montreal. Would that be a better ad? Would Calgary have enough to get him? Or do you think he could end up I think he could end up north of you guys in Edmonton? Well, as a Flames fan, I certainly like that. Um I, I think Ben Sherrod's a terrific player. I think he was a massive part of Montreal's run. He's big, he's heavy. Um, you know, he's got some good playoff experience. I think he'd be, I think he'd be an excellent fit in Calgary. I think he'd be a terrific fit for anybody right now who has thoughts of making a deep run. He's, those guys are hard to find. Yeah. It's interesting. For yeah. hard to play against Steve. Yeah. Edmonton is in kind of the same boat as Vancouver. Edmonton's a little bit better right now. Canucks, after a terrible start, have been uh, playing real good hockey since Boudreaux went there. And we've talked about that before, Peter Lubardius. They've still got to win at about a 660 clip to make the playoffs. So they're still kind of, are they buyers? Are they sellers? But I've heard rumors JT Miller maybe to Pittsburgh. What do you think about that? Because that kind of player would really help the Penguins out. And depending what kind of mentality the Canucks are at in their stage right now, if they're going to go for it and go into the playoffs or set themselves up for next year. Well, I'd need a haul. If I'm Vancouver, I need a haul. And if I'm Vancouver, I would have a really difficult time moving him. He still has one year left right, in his deal. So if if it was me and I'm not – Sure that you wouldn't get more. I don't think there's any doubt that potentially even he wants a new deal potentially somewhere else. He's an American-born player. Um, not to say that he hasn't enjoyed Vancouver. He's played incredibly well there. But I'd wait till I'd 
if I was a GM, I'd be looking to make that direct deal prior to this summer's draft. Because mm-hmm. I think you'd have a lot more buyers potentially, and I think it would give you a lot more options and wouldn't take away right now your best forward from a chance of getting into the playoffs. So, you know, I'm not Jim Rutherford. I don't pretend to be. I never will be <laughs> a guy I have incredible respect for. One Stanley Cups. But if I was Vancouver, just the way things have gone, unless I got a couple of future pieces that I am dying to have, I don't do it until probably the summer. Okay. Last question for you as you watch these young kids play hockey. Mm -hmm. I feel very grateful and very happy that I'm in media right now and I can go to Pat's games for free as much as I can, get to call the odd one too, and I get to call games involving Connor Bedard. Who's the best junior player Peter Lubardius has ever laid his eyeballs on? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Michael. Let's see. You ask great questions always, but this one, that may be the hardest question you've ever asked me. Um, The most talented junior player I've ever watched in terms of dynamic and explosive is Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. The best junior player um, of this era I've ever watched is Sidney Crosby. Um, and you're going to laugh when I say this, and I, and I didn't like him very much growing up in Saskatoon, but one of the greatest junior players I ever watched growing up was Dale Durkach. Oh, the rat. I love it. Yeah, the rat. The rat. Yeah, no, yeah. He, he was great. I, you but, know, but, I mean, how many? I mean, yeah. It, that that question's impossible because when you're as old as I am, I've watched them all. Yeah, no, you're well. You're all yeah, but uh, yeah, okay. We can make fun of your age, but you. The reason I have you on this segment is you could talk NHL, but you could talk junior. You could talk the young kids like you're watching right now. You could talk university. I don't know if there's a guy that has his fingerprints on the game of hockey at all levels more more than you. But lastly, about Durkatch. I the one mm-hmm. thing the one thing about Durkatch, I wish I wish he would have came later because he would have had a decent crack at the NHL now the way it's played. Well, he laughed, right? Because um, our good friend Kelly Rempel and I've you know I've spent several you know few hours over the years talking to Dale, and he's just he's an amazing guy to talk hockey with in the first place, but. You know, I remember our first true visit. I said, "You're, you're like the best junior player I ever watched growing up." And he goes, "Here, I'm like, forget it. I couldn't skate. I couldn't do this. I couldn't." And I go, "Just stop, okay?" Yeah. I started watching you when you were 12 at the Winnipeg Lions tournament, um, which was a tournament I was in in the 11-year-old age group, and he was in the 12-year-old age group. Um, yeah, he's. He's a special guy. I do. I, I think it would have been different. In fact, I think it probably would have been a lot different in a different era. And maybe even, you know, remember he was part of the Oilers organization. Yep. At that point in time for him, that 
that wasn't really the greatest place to be. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, no. <laughs> they were no, pretty good in the no. 80s, I remember. Yeah, that's like being a great quarterback and uh, you're going to be behind Tom Brady or being yeah. a great quarterback in the Eskimos of the 80s when you had the whole uh, Dunnigan, Ham, and Allen setup. That yeah, you couldn't, well, you couldn't well, find. You go couldn't back f- to the 70s. It's like Wilkinson and Moon. Yeah, yeah I know. No. But Bruce you, Lemmerman. There you go. There you go. Hey, I can't let you go without dropping this in, okay, quickly? Okay. Yeah. Kirk Cousins has the best agent ever. He reworks his deal, so this year and next year he will make $70 million fully guaranteed. Now, this dude... He's not as bad as people make him out to be. He has two. Like Arash Madani, for yeah, example? Yeah, he has 223 touchdown passes versus 97 mm-hmm. interceptions, a career passer rating of 98.6. But the flaw in the sly is this dude is going to earn uh, $231.7 million by the end of 2023, yet his record sits right now at 59-59-2. Are you a conflicted fan when it comes to Kirk Cousins? I'm I'm a conflicted fan for sure, but I'd be more conflicted if I didn't think the Vikings had about six or seven other key areas of concern that probably equally need to be addressed. Like, you know, giving up 100-plus points in the last two minutes of halves. <laughs> Is that good? Kirk can't, Kirk can't fix that. No, he but can't. But no, I mean, the guy, but you know what? Kirk Cousins is just truly one of those guys who probably, and then you keep hearing things about this, potentially couldn't lead a one-car parade and always just gets good enough numbers. And because he can make every throw in the business. Anyway, my last point on Kirk is this. As much as the hatred for him goes, the Vikings have, far greater issues in my mind at this point in time in their evolution and is he still not a top 15 NFL quarterback he's a franchise quarterback he definitely is in the in the grand scheme of things he is Pete thanks for it thanks for this man it was another great edition of Peter's Puck we'll talk to you next week okay my good man be well All right, this show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. This is Ballsy in the Big Chair and all our guests, and I need guests to get me through this jam-packed show as we treat this like Ballsy and friends sitting in the locker room talking to some of the fine athletes in Regina and surrounding area and across the country for that matter. And uh, our guests come to you via uh, the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. It's a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. In fact, I was at Spiro's fine establishment, South Regina, South Albert, just this afternoon with my family, so I highly encourage it. Our guest on the hotline now is Faith Reed of the U of R Lady Cougars basketball team, five foot eight guard in her Fourth year from Warman, Saskatchewan. So, hi, hi. How does somebody from Warman, not like you're on the other side of the world, but generally people in the Saskatoon area stay in Saskatoon? How did you end up coming to Regina? 
Yeah, so a bit of an interesting story there, I guess. I uh, had a pretty bad knee injury. I tore my ACL there in my grade 11 year, which is kind of like right in that recruiting window. So uh, the U of S didn't really have a lot of interest in me. Uh, no one did, actually. But um, <laughs> Dave kind of knew the type of person I was, and I guess he had a little problem with the kind of player I was as well. So he gave me an offer to come down and be a red shirt for a year. And mm-hmm. I just kind of, kind of jumped at it. I mean, I figured I was still pretty close to home. So I had a little bit of comfort and it was kind of the, the best option for me at the time. Student athlete. That's what it is. A student athlete. So faith Reed, what do you take in school? I am in kinesiology majoring in human kinetics. Nice. Now, you're an academic All-Canadian and have been multiple years. How hard is it to juggle school and basketball? For instance, fill us in. What does an in-season day look like for you? A typical in-season day. Take us through it. Ooh, an in-season day. All right. So, uh, wake up in the morning. I usually try to grind out a couple hours of homework uh, right away, right after my morning routine. Then I'll... Uh, get some breakfast in me, head to the school. I usually have a lift and a shoot, so two hours of workouts there. Um, have some lunch, do a little bit more homework, <laughs> and then I'll head into practice. That's usually caps out around like two, two and a half hours. After that, I usually get to go home, uh, so spend about you know six-ish hours at the university a day right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, get home, grab some supper, and then if I was productive enough during my homework, I get to, you know, kind of chill and have a bit of a night to myself, and if not, more homework. Yeah, not Wake not, up, uh, wash and repeat. Not a, not a glamorous life, is it? it? It's not, but it is it is worth it. Yeah, no, it, it certainly is. Right now, you rank eighth in school history with 97 career three-pointers. Faith Reed, what's the secret to nailing a three-pointer? Oh, gosh, just practice, like repetition on repetition. Um, you got to have good form and stuff, obviously, to start out with. But once you got that base, it's really just, I think, a question of how many shots you can get up, right? The more you get comfortable with it, the more I find they go in. So that mental component can't come until uh, you're solid on the physical. How many shots a day do you take? practice in practice outside of practice you mentioned lifting and shooting so how many how many balls do you think you shoot a day um over my career it probably shooting maybe three to five hundred wow wow catch and shoot who's your favorite shooter to watch in the nba well shooter i i gotta go with steph curry i mean he's just out of this world. He's a cheat code. Did you see Will Ferrell sink that one at Golden State pregame warm-ups from half court? Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Dressed <laughs> up like as a semi-pro uh, character. Uh, who's your favorite Who's your favorite basketball player? Uh, this year, I think it's probably DeMar DeRozan. He is just changing the game up totally right now. He's got a got an insane way that he's playing so he'd be my favorite player right now this is faith reed from the u of our lady cougars basketball team getting set for their own uh playoff uh, championship tournament here this weekend uh, describe your game for us we talked about three-point shooting but if i was to get the coles notes version on faith reed from faith reed describe your game uh i would say well obviously an outside shooting presence i think that 
I try to think the game through. I think I'm a very methodical player, so I will try to kind of um, be a court general as well, you know, making sure that I'm looking for holes in the defense and kind of adjusting on the fly with my team as we go. So uh, outside presence, a bit more of a background in the defense possibly, but uh, I try to just honestly go out there and work as hard as I can every single play. Mm-hmm. and communicate with my teammates well and that just seems to that seems to kind of define my game you sound like a great leader and, and you're definitely a good communicator two more quick questions for you faith reed uh what can you tell us about the winnipeg team you meet first friday in saskatoon in that uh, championship tournament yeah i mean they're great like uh all props to them they're a good team they have they have three uh canada west all-stars on their team one a former teammate like we, we know they're good. They bring a lot to the table, and they're a very energetic team. So we got, we got a big job ahead of us, but we also have played them five times already, you know. So both of us are going in. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the strategy that we each take in, uh, take into this game just because we have played each other so many times, whether we're going to try to throw some new stuff at them or not. Um, mm-hmm. But I think uh, bottom line is just gonna it's gonna come down to who wants it more, right? Like we we both know that we have to go in there grinding as hard as we can because neither of us are gonna let up. Okay, lastly, Faith Reed, are you into this March Madness at all? Uh, a little bit. I won't lie, my research is not as up to date as I would like it to be this year, but yeah. I am into it. So you have you don't know who I should pick in my bracket? Like I'm going with Tennessee because I like orange and Gonzaga Ooh. and Gonzaga because I went. To you know, I I did some Pats games in that uh, West Coast swing way back in the day, and I found Spokane to be a nice city, and that's where Gonzaga's from, and it's a cool name too. So I'm going Gonzaga versus Tennessee. Okay, yeah. So I I do have Gonzaga, but I have them going against Arizona. So I mean, okay, we're we're halfway there. Okay, good man. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, Faith, uh, we're on the right side. I'm gonna go Tennessee though, because like I said, I like orange, and I've I've kind of been a Volunteers football fan. So we'll see how it shakes down. I, uh, that. <laughs> I I sure hope you guys come up big in this tournament. Friday, you open up against Winnipeg in Saskatoon. Thanks for this. Thank you. And wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. This show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Our text line, 936-6262, powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. And when we talk to this guy... As we rattle off the sponsors, uh, Glenn Suter segment always brought to you by Quality Tire with 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. I'll get you to weigh in here, Suits. I think I know how you're going to go with this, but uh, Jim <laughs> Jim Mullen, actually, Football Canada, lives out in your neck of the woods. I'm doing the totally awesome tournament bracket instead of March Madness, so I just picked 64 awesome things in life, or what I think's awesome things in life uh the first bracket is money versus friends jim said money he uh lives on the island and he has cats so he's going with money he's picking money i picked money too for different reasons uh money or friends glenn Souter. friends not even yeah. don't even have to think about it yeah. do not even have to well let me put it differently mm. teammates Ah, there you go. Okay, I get it. And that in, that in, that includes your that includes your family. Your your family is your number one team. Mm. 
But I, I well, would say, you know, your your family and teammates, you know, because you can adjust how much money you need. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's true. See, I, you, you, you slip one in on me there, Suits, because uh, <laughs> you, you change it up to teammates, and if you include family, well, then I'm picking family. But I got, I only hang out with family, my significant other, who I consider family, and so I really don't like. You're my friend. I like you. We have a great time together, uh, and so I don't want to be rude to you. But if I had to pick in my situation, I'm taking money. I, I am. I'm sorry. I'm, take, I'm, take, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm taking cash. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the folks, well, yeah. What, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, there's there's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, it, it depends on uh, how much you need it, I guess. It's in some cases too, and and where you are in life. But I, I, uh, you know, give give me friends. If if even if you take family out of the out of the discussion, mm-hmm. give me friends, someone you can hang out with, go fishing with, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Give me that over money. I, I can live in a small little hut somewhere. I, it, I don't need much. So uh, uh, Suits is the tipping point. So friends will move on in the uh, awesome tournament. We'll get to the next uh, matchup tomorrow. Okay, quickly before, I want to talk CFL quarterbacks. We're running a little behind here, but I do yeah. want to get a comment. Speaking of quarterbacks, smiling Hanks back in the league with the British Columbia Lions as an offensive consultant. He will join us on the show tomorrow here on the Sports Cage just after 5 o'clock. That's nice to see him back in the league. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And and the guy who's going to benefit most is Nathan Roy. Yeah. yeah you no know, kidding. and Michael O'Connor. Yeah. I mean, those are two quarterbacks that can just, you know, do their impersonation of a sponge and just soak it in and, and just – you know everything and all the experiences that Henry Burris, Smiling Hank has had, and so many different teams and offenses, and including the NFL and the Chicago Bear experience, and then bring that to Vancouver and, and help those young kids out. I, I think it's great. Yeah, it is awesome. And uh, Henry Burris comes in there. Who who did you who did you uh, soak up information from when you were uh, coming up? Well, Terry Irvin as a teammate and Ken Hinton were my were, were the corners in our secondary in my rookie year. And those two veterans had been around, I want to say, seven or eight years by that at that point. And so just seasoned vets and that secondary, you know, with, with Fran McDermott as one of the halfbacks, I mean, we were, we were a tight group. We would hang out together after practices. We'd have our nights where we'd you know, throw dice or play cards or whatever for fun. But Terry Irvin, you know, in, in crucial moments in games in my rookie year, when when you could see the panic in my eyes, <laughs> he would walk over and just take me under his wing and say, uh, you know, no problem, just stay back in the middle. It'll, the ball will come to you. You know, it's, you know, you know what's sad, Suits? I think I remember all your numbers. You're 27. I believe Ken Hinton was 28. I think uh, Terry. Yeah. I think Terry Irvin wore 32, and Fran McDermott wore 29. If I'm not mistaken, that's correct. Crazy. That's correct. And what about Steve Johnson? Steve oh, Johnson, the other halfback. Oh, Steve, I can't. Yeah, I remember the name. I'm sorry, I could only I go for 17. I was gonna say. I thought it was a Joey Walters kind of number. That's what I thought too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is Glenn Suter joining us, former Ryder great lead football analyst in the CFL. Okay, so uh, the list of salaries is out for the quarterbacks. Of course, we know that Zach Kalaros of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers has the uh, highest salary at $550,000 uh, 
uh, hard money. Uh, a comment from you on each of these quarterbacks. I guess my my comment to you and get your response is, what a turnaround for this guy from the three ga- uh, three plays into the season with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2019, and uh, that's really where Cody kind of uh, came onto the scene. Um, are you surprised by this? If I was to tell you in 2019 he'd be the highest-paid quarterback in Winnipeg, would you be buying that? Not, no, I wouldn't be surprised because when he was healthy back in his Hamilton days, mm-hmm. we could see the potential. And then it was a real tough uh, sort of lesson in perseverance for Zach. And then he emerges on the other side as a back-to-back champion. Well, I, I guess you can call him back-to-back with a missed year. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. yeah, but, you know, I, I would say this is, this is a salary. Well, you know, salaries aside, because the – the the money is is all relative. Let's let's talk about the guy. And I would say the message that the organization has sent to Zach here is that we will reward excellence. And and in the most important and toughest position to play in sports, if you if you lead us to a championship, you'll be rewarded for it. And that would be the message I say Winnipeg sent him. Yeah, no, that's a good uh, point from Glenn Suter. Number two on the list is Cody Fajardo. Now his salary dropped from uh, five hundred nine thousand in hard cash to four hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars. It's a big year for him. Like it's not like he's had two terrible years. He got the the team to the doorstep, but this is a big year. We know what happened in 2013 here, and so fans automatically think when you host a great cup, you should play in it. We know that's unrealistic. Although the way it's going in professional football with the NFL too seems to be the case with Tampa and LA back to back, and then of course we had that stretch of what it was at 11, 12, and uh, 13, and then this year too with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, a lot easier in a nine-team league. But it's a big year for Cody. I, I think. He needs to try to find a way, and it's not just on him, but to uh, get his team over the hump. Yeah, you know, I think, first of all, Cody's decision to, you know, adjust his contract, and I know it wasn't a whole bunch of money, but to to adjust his contract and put the team first is just another sort of check-the-box moment for Cody Fajardo. I think, you know, it just proves again, no matter how big or small the gesture is, that he is putting always putting the team first. That's a good sign. And then those expectations will be there. I mean, with the with the cup in his backyard and and uh, you know where he sort of progressed to be so close and knocking on the door that I think the expectation is for a championship season. But you know, every quarterback that we're going to talk about today, Ballsy, has got the expectation going into camp that they're going to be in the championship and win it. Yeah. That's their expectation going in. Now, reality will tell you something completely different. And but I, I would ask you this. If Cody leads Saskatchewan to the Western final mm-hmm. and they lose in it in overtime, that's not a disaster season. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know, you th- th- think about this. The Calgary Stampeders since 08, 13 years ago, since Huffnagel went there, they have uh, basically been in 10 Western finals. They have been first or second in the league 11 in their division 11 times. Mm-hmm. in those 13 years. I mean, six times they've appeared in the Grey Cup since 08. Won it three times. Th- that's what you need to build, and you need to build that around a franchise quarterback. 
I think Cody is that guy, just like Bo has been for Calgary. Jeremiah Masoli gets the largest signing bonus since Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell cashed in 400000 and 300000 respectively, in 2019. Um, Jeremiah Masoli, your thoughts there? I, I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not a... I mean, all these guys are great athletes, don't get me wrong, but I think he's... He's too high. I, I know Ottawa. It's kind of like when I built my house back in the day, I paid X amount of dollars for it. Ten years later, if I was to have that same home, I'd have to pay way more for it, and that's what the market is. I don't know. I'm not sold on him. To me, he's a shinier neon green. Just your thoughts on Jeremiah Masoli. Well, he's, he's better than neon green, I, I, I think. And, you know, again, I, when I say that, I, I, I do it with all due respect because mm-hmm. any player that's played at the pro level is a great football player. But... I think if you're going to compare those two guys in particular, then give me Jeremiah Masoli uh, over Neilon Green. But uh, I, I think for him in Ottawa, this is a you know right time, right moment. So he capitalized on that financially. But he, he's also going to be a guy that walks into that team and that locker room and gives them hope immediately. I mean, they're, they're going to be in camp. As long as he stays healthy through camp, they're going to be finally with a quarterback that has been proven, mm-hmm. that isn't banged up like Matt Nichols, and that they can really trust because they've seen him do it before, that he can get it done. And then that takes you to a different level. We've talked about that before. So I, I say right place, right time for Masoli. Bo Levi Mitchell is number four in this nine-team league in terms of uh, quarterback compensation. Now, he can max out at 485 right now in hard money. It's 425 He did take a pay cut. Um, I don't know, man. I think that's low. He took a hometown discount, and maybe it's, you know, you're comfortable, you're happy where you're at, and that's fine. I look for a huge year from a healthy Bo Levi Mitchell with a chip on his shoulder. We had him on the show last week. Your thoughts on what you're going to see from Bo Levi Mitchell this year? Yeah, like, well, first of all, he, you mentioned it. He's, he's healthy, and I think he'll be as healthy as he's been in the last couple of playing seasons. I mean, that's been three years, but two two seasons played. I mean, when you, again, you, you look at from 14 to 19 when Bo was healthy in those six-year stretch, he was in the cup four times and won it twice. I mean, yeah. You, give, give me that guy. Give me a guy that will get our team to the cup four times in six years any day of the week. Well, and you look at their – I'm trying off the top of my head. They've got the be- – they have the best one-two punch as at the quarterback right now with with how uh, Jake Mayer played and Bo Levi Mitchell as their starter. I'm trying off the top of my head. I don't think there's a better combination in the league. Well, and keep in keep in mind that Bo through those six years and four and four cup appearances uh, had different receiving cores, and sometimes you could probably rank the O line in Calgary bottom of the pack right. at times. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's and a good he, point. And he is, and he he's got it done with that sort of roster turnover yeah no that's a very good point from glenn Suter, the lead football analyst in the cfl on tsn we'll break down the well we're not going to talk curling per se there's nothing curling for a for a bit as we got a bit of a break before the world women's get going and then of course brad gushu who won with three people uh will head off and uh, represent with a rink of four when they take uh, to the ice in vegas for the worlds here's our uh, sports ticker and it's brought to you by our good friends over there at bronco plumbing and heating where professional services guaranteed they'll treat you right 781 
20-90. NHL right now, Arizona beating Montreal 3-1. to uh, So uh, they're the Habs down to the Coyotes who are coming off a 5-2 win in Ottawa. Rangers and Ducks tied at 1. Islanders trailing the Capitals 1-0 after 1. Leafs with the 2-0 lead over the Stars after 1. Lightning, or uh, check that the Canucks will take on the Devils later. The Oilers will play the... Uh, Detroit Red Wings at home. Joining me on the phone is Glenn Suter for the second half of our segment. Let's continue with our quarterback talk. Dane Evans of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the fifth ranked quarterback in terms of pay this year with $417,000 hard money. If you were the Tiger Cats GM, would you have done that? Kept Dane and let Masoli uh, leave? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think this is a good decision. I mean, they had to make a decision one way or another, but I, I honestly believe that if both players are healthy, that you can win with both. So, uh, you know, it, you didn't have to overspend one way or another. But, I, but Dane Evans is a legit starter. Dane, Dane Evans is a legit starter. In fact, he, he has a very similar dynamic going on as Cody Fajardo, I think. I mean, they're they're different style players, but but a, a very similar dynamic because you know they're both around the same age. I think Dane's 28 and Cody's 29. They both sort of bided their time in the league, and now we have seen upside potential that you believe these are championship caliber quarterbacks and they can get it done, but they haven't done it yet. And until you do, you're still talking about potential. Glenn Suter, if the if the law firm McLeod Bethel Thompson is on the Argos active roster on May 16th, and there's no reason to uh, to think that he won't be, the 33-year-old journeyman quarterback will get $150,000. His um, hard money is supposed to be 400,000. He is the sixth-ranked quarterback in terms of pay. What do you think of this guy? Is he underrated? Is he rated where he should be? What are you looking for from McLeod Bethel Thompson? You got to have a quarterback to win. Does Ryan Dinwiddie have a quarterback there? Well, you know, I know so many people really like him in the league, and I, and I just my question is with McLeod Bethel Thompson has been since he's been in the league and and since even before he's been here in Canada has been is he is he a great quarterback because. He's been on so many teams, 11 teams in 11 years in four different leagues. Does that make him great? Or is he a good quarterback that can't get to great because he's been on 11 teams in 11 years in four different leagues? You know, I, I, you, you, can, you can take that angle based on how you feel about McLeod Bethel Thompson. I mean, you, if you like the guy, you're making the argument that he's been in a lot of systems. He's a good player. He's been on a lot of NFL teams. And so, therefore, he just needs that great team around him, and, and he'll get it done. But you can also go the other angle and say, 11 teams in four different leagues, I mean, why does he keep getting pushed on? Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, he can't solidify it. Yeah, yeah, I'm cheering for him, Glenn, but I'm, uh, I'm picking the latter as opposed to the former in your description there. That's how, that's yeah. how I feel. Okay, uh, this guy is under the microscope. I really believe it, as is his head coach. I know you talked about that on a sports cage a couple of weeks ago. Vernon Adams Jr. In hard money, $399,000. they have got new ownership there. Um, I really think he and his head coach, we know coaches and quarterbacks are tied at the hip. It's a, a very unique thing in football where the head coach record is often referenced, and so is the quarterback record. You don't see that in hockey with like uh, the coach of the Canucks and the goalie. That When Thatcher Demko plays, the coach, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, how do you feel about Vernon Adams? Well, Vernon Adams, I think, will, will benefit from Trevor Harris 
behind him on the roster, and and he's going to have a legit starter behind him, and I think that'll keep him consistent, or at least more consistent. But I'll tell you a really quick story because I know we've got a time constraint here. But Bo Baldwin, his coach in college, coached Matt Nichols, Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, and Vernon Adams, and and in that order basically. And when he was doing a four down nation interview, one on one interview with Justin Dunk. Um, he was quoted as saying, Vernon Adams, he is the best quarterback to play here at that college. Now, that's Matt Nichols, Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, and he said Vernon was the best quarterback to play. He didn't want to rank the other three, but he said Vernon was the best. So, hmm. I mean, this is this is his college coach, and the pros are another level up, but... Um, you know, I, I still think we're not see, we haven't seen yet. I won't say we scratched the surface because we've seen some good things, but I, I, I don't think we've seen the best of Vernon Adams yet. So if he's on the roster and playing, he's due $340,000. He being Nick Arbuckle of the Edmonton Elks. We kind of touched about on Chris Jones yesterday and how he treats the quarterback position or looks at it. My question to you, Glenn Suter, does he make it past training camp? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because Chris Jones is so unpredictable when it comes to quarterback management. I mean, we talked about this yesterday, but let's let's put it this way. If if after about a week of camp, we are hearing about nothing about uh, Nick Arbuckle and all about JT Barrett out of Ohio State, who is a 2015 national champion, then the writing will be on the wall. I mean, you know, this is going to be, it's going to be Ohio State probably on reputation alone and which would be unfortunate if Nick Arbuckle is the best quarterback in camp and you know what I'm you know where I'm going there I mean mm-hmm. again is is JT Barrett the next Andre Ware the next Troy Smith the next Johnny Manziel is he is he that guy or is he going to learn the CFL use his skill level to excel in the CFL with all the different rules and changes because if he's not, Nick Arbuckle is poised. I'd like to see him. Let, yeah. Let's see Nick Arbuckle run a team. All right, we got a minute, Glenn, with the BC Lions where uh, Nathan Rourke and Hard Money earned $71,500. That would be a steal for him to have an outstanding year. Really cheering for the kid. What's a realistic expectation for Nathan Rourke? And we talked at the start, uh, he's got bursts in the fold too now. Yeah, and, and I think that adds a dynamic to it that is going to really help him. Uh, you know, if, if we had this conversation yesterday before the Burris news, um, you know, maybe it's slightly different. But I, I, w- I would say that the expectation is realistically a playoff win. Nice. Not just a playoff berth, but a playoff win. But here, but here is the question, and it's the only team in the league that has this question. Will Rick Campbell have the patience to let Nathan Rourke fail at times, go through peaks and valleys throughout a season, and keep putting him out there as a starting quarterback. Yeah, that's a because good... uh, yeah. if we don't if we don't get the answer to that, Ballsy, like if the answer to that is well, we'll give him a game and a half, and if he's not like lighting it up, then we're going with the Ohio State backup. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a good. How, point. how long did the How long did the Riders give Neilon Green? Uh, quite a bit of time. Yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. No, it's a very good point. It's a good way to wrap this thing up. I'll tell you what, man. Another great chat with the lead football analyst in Canada, Glenn Suter. He'll join us on Thursday. Have a great night, my friend.
Okay, thanks, Walsey. That is Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back in the other side of 6 o'clock news, we'll speak with Arash Madani of Sportsnet and put a puppy or put a bow on this puppy. Uh, we're going to tell you, I, I already called it, but we'll check in on the text and see if people are picking friends over money or money over friends in our Tournament of Awesome. It's the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. shows we head into the last half an hour brought to you by the saskatchewan lotteries that's the saskatchewan lotteries the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups and you know by now when we have a guest they are coming to us via the western pizza hotline i had lunch there earlier today at spiro's place south albert what a great great place my son and my dad we all went. Okay, time now to uh, talk to our friend Arash Madani from Sportsnet. And anytime Arash Madani is on the show, it is brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash, uh, we'll get to baseball in a second. But, uh, you know, we are in the thick of uh, the uh, off season for the NFL. And this week in particular with free agency and the window to negotiate with other teams. Uh, Deshaun Watson meeting with the Cleveland Browns. Apparently we're all thinking too that the uh, Panthers and Saints are in, but now the Atlanta Falcons are in. And a lot of people are saying this maybe makes the most sense that he goes to Atlanta. Just your thoughts on that. And then where does Matt Ryan go? Michael, if you, if you look back over the last six years, top three quarterback salaries, take home money. Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Matt Ryan. You would never have thought Matty Ice would uh, would exist in that in that mix, but but there he is. It's um, the Watson thing is fascinating because it became very clear that Houston didn't want him in the division. The Colts had reached out; they have some interest, and I know that Atlanta has interest. I know New Orleans needs a quarterback, but to me, Carolina's owner has been the most aggressive through all of this about wanting a franchise quarterback, about wanting to turn things around. He's invested $2.5 billion into this thing. I, I actually think that still, to me, Carolina makes the most sense for Watson from a quarterback standpoint to land there. Yeah, that's a good point. And one more um, football note before we move on to baseball. The uh, L.A. Chargers are battling the L.A. Rams for, uh, and I don't know if it's much of a battle, but they're trying to stay relevant now that the Rams won the Super Bowl. And, of course, they're a tenant in SoFi Stadium uh, for or, or with Kroenke being the owner there. Um, but they're trying to go after it here. Justin Herbert on a rookie deal. They're making some uh, swift moves on the defensive side of the ball. Your thoughts on what the L.A. Chargers are doing? When J.C. Jackson is getting $82.5 million in free agency as a free agent corner from New England, that's when you know that, that the Chargers are in win-now mode and that the Chargers are absolutely taking advantage of the last season before Herbert gets the big quarterback money that's going to gobble up a bunch of the cap in order to go for it. I mean, look, think about where the Chargers are, Michael. You mentioned they're sharing a stadium with the Rams. So it's not just that they're competing against Kansas City and now Denver with Russell Wilson and the Raiders that just got into the playoffs. They're competing for eyeballs in that same market, in that same stadium that's about to put a banner up in the rafters. So 
you know, the Chargers have never been have I shouldn't say never. They have not been embraced by LA yet. They have no history in LA. There there's still too many people, the San Diego Chargers. So at a time when the Rams come in and almost immediately win a championship, the Chargers need to make some noise and in a hurry. And because of their structure of salaries with where Herbert is now, they're absolutely going for it. Well, the Toronto Blue Jays are a team. When I saw the uh, the, the deal get done and we're going to see baseball, and that's great, you look at the expanded playoffs, Arash Madani, and that would seem to be right in the uh, Blue Jays' wheelhouse, so to speak. Well, I, I don't need... I'll tell you this, Michael. I think the Blue Jays are the favorites to get into the playoffs even before the expanded playoffs. Matter of fact, to me, the Blue Jays, believe it or not, are not just the AL East favorites ahead of Tampa, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. To me, the Blue Jays are the favorites to win the American League. And you're saying to yourself, well, what are you talking about? They didn't even get to October last year. Well, Michael, I mean, think about what they have returning. Uh, you know, Vladimir Guerrero, from, from an offensive standpoint, Guerrero, Bichette, Oscar Hernandez, back-to-back Silver Slugger Award winners. But they have three players making north of $100 million in their contracts. They just brought in Kevin Gosman, another pitcher. They just extended Jose Barrios, who they added at the deadline. and is going to be the ace of this rotation. He's making more than $100 million. And almost forgotten in all this is that George Springer, the former World Series champ with Houston, is now healthy, is now back in the mix, and he can add some pop. Okay, the Blue Jays need some, you know, there's a question mark at third base and maybe backup catcher. Who's going to play second? Yeah, for sure. But there's now talk that Kyle Schwarber is going to be in the conversation. I just see a lot of offense, and I finally see a real starting five rotation in Toronto. Yeah. Do you have any intriguing storylines as we've got training camp underway? Well, Vlad. I mean, Vlad still is is it. I mean, a finalist for AL MVP. Last year, he would have won in any other year except Shohei Otani did something we've never seen before, pitch and hit 40-plus homers. And Vlad right now is top three in uh, AL MVP. Mm-hmm. The AL MVP, if you want to make a wager right now, he's paying 4-1 to one behind just Otani and Mike Trout. So how will Vlad take that next step? Uh, Michael, look, you and I are both very Canadian. We love to wave our, uh, our maple leaf and hold our passport uh, close to us. Jordan Romano became the ninth inning guy, became the closer last year. A dude who as a kid used to come to the Rogers Center at Sky Dome to watch the Blue Jays play. He's from suburban Toronto. Can he really establish himself as the ninth inning guy? The Blue Jays missed the playoffs last year because their bullpen blew too many games. I'm interested to see what a different bullpen, a short-up bullpen, is going to mean in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings especially. Can they shut it down? Can they get it done? Because they didn't last year. In the early part of the season, that cost them the playoffs. Can things change this year? The, you know, To me, these are among the big questions. A rash. My Padres can't have anything nice. Fernando Tatis on the shelf for three months. Besides the fact it's on my team, the game loses a great star for probably three months with a with a broken wrist, and it's not the first time it's happened to you know somebody like that. But man, that guy, forty-two homers last year with a wonky shoulder. Now he starts in the worst possible way. 
Here's what you don't want your franchise player that you just invested $300 million into to say, Michael. When somebody asked him about a motorcycle accident that he was in, mm-hmm. Tatis's response was, which one? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, needless to say, I think it was today that Tatis, the Padres, made clear his motorcycle riding days are over. Um, a huge loss. Oh, for the Padres okay. and for the game. You're yeah, right. It is an absolutely huge loss. Okay, so um, these rules aren't in effect this year, but I wanted to get your thoughts. They can be changed, uh, and, and and they're saying probably we could see these ne- – well, most likely we'll see these next year or some of them. 14-second pitch clock with nobody on base, 19-second pitch clock with a runner on base. Do you like it? I I don't, and I truly don't see how that can – be enforceable when when there's so many different things happening in the ballpark. And then what if a batter steps out? Mm-hmm. Or what if a catcher calls for time? What about that? Uh, I don't like it. And I don't know how that's really going to be governed. I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah, so that was one thing. Also, do you think it, uh, it will uh, lead to more injuries for pitchers? That I don't know. It's a good question. I think there are going to be a ton of injuries this season because of the shortened spring training. You're talking about ligaments and you're talking about tendons. What they've asked these guys to do over the last few years is just destined for disaster this year. That you go from 2020, a regular spring training, then the COVID shutdown, then a you know three-week accelerated spring, a 60-game season, a full season, now a shortened spring again for preparation. Over 162, Michael, I I bet you we're going to see more ligament and tendon issues for pitchers than we have ever seen in any other season. It's a very good point. Arash Madani joining us for a couple more minutes with the Madani Report. I think we're both in agreement. We like the universal DH, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, he's seeing pitchers yeah. swing yeah, yeah, except, miserably at pitchers. Yeah, except for Otani, uh, uh, you know, yeah. it's a free out. He'll be the DH, don't you worry. Yeah. How about bigger bases? They're talking about oversized bases. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it works well in your slow-pitch league, Michael, <laughs> down there in Regina. I'm yeah. not sure how much I'm a fan of that in the big leagues. So how do we get – so how do we get a rash, the uh, – the younger fan involved. Uh, they didn't cancel the season, so that's great. They'll stay top of mind. That You said it a couple of weeks ago when you were on here. The average age of a baseball fan is 57. So I think part of the problem, would you not agree, is the, the, the speed of the game. We need to speed it up. Like I know when I can go to a junior hockey game or an NHL hockey game and it's done inside of three hours, that's a perfect night for me. I don't want to be sitting at a ballpark for three and a half, four hours. Yeah, I hear you. And speed of the game is important. And I like that there's the minimum three batter rule. Right. You know, and, and look, this is the business of baseball. You have three minutes between the top half of the inning and the bottom half of the inning. But are they going to reduce the length of the TV timeouts? Of course they're not, because that generates revenue. Michael, I really believe this. And there are a lot of baseball purists who think I'm absolutely nuts. But I mean this truly for the good of the future of the game. And I know this is going to sound crazy and and brash and way off. I really, truly believe that baseball has to move to a seven-inning game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. As as curling should go to eight ends, I think baseball should go to seven. I totally agree with you. 
Go back 100 years ago, the three most popular sports in America were horse racing, boxing, and baseball. Two have effectively gone by the way of the dodo bird. Um, baseball's got to make some radical, radical changes or look at the path they're on right now. Well, I'm going to let you stew in this till we meet again in a couple of days because uh, I talked to Peter Lubardius, a fellow Vikings fan, about this earlier in the show. I'll get your comment the next time we're on. Kirk Cousins has the best agent in professional sports. True or false? Hold your answer. Thank you for the Madani report once again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bozzi. Bobcats, Badgers, Boilermakers, Bruins, and Blazers, Blue Devils, Crimson Tide, Scarlet Knights, Red Raiders, Catamounts, Cougars, Wolverines, and Panthers, Aztecs, Trojans, Tar Heels, Pirates, and Rumblers, Dons, Friars, Gales, Titans, Islanders, Razorbacks, Racers, Rams, Zips, Lancers, Tigers, 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 and some Bears with the Spartans twice. We're only halfway there. Hurricanes, Huskies, Hokies, Hawkeyes, Hoosiers, and Hornfrogs, four Wildcats, two Raiders, and three Bulldogs, fighting a line eye, fighting Irish and Cyclones, Jack Rabbits, Longhorns, Aggies, Cowboys, and Broncos, Golden Eagles, Gamecocks, Peacocks, Mocks, Blue Jays, Blue Hens, and Jayhawks, Buckets, Fighters, Volunteers, we're all finished. Write them down, fill out the brackets. It's March Madness. There you go from our production staff in the back. Thank you to them for. Uh Putting that together for us. NCAA March Madness begins today with the first four playing round. So it is time to fill out your brackets. Most ba- uh, bracket competitions have a deadline of Thursday. Some do include the playing round. So how do you fill out a bracket if you're not obsessed with college basketball? Well, there's no wrong answer. The odds are borderline impossible for a perfect bracket, whether you know what you're talking about or you're selecting based on something random, like how handsome the players are. In a new survey, 47% of people say they fill out their brackets based on the team's win-loss record. 45% say they mostly go with their gut. Another way of saying they're basically totally guessing. 45% of people look at the team's seed numbers, you know, 3 versus 14. Uh, 30% consider a team's performance in previous years. 26 use analytics. Sports nerds ruining sports. 23% weigh their personal connection to the schools. 16% consider their conference. And 15% look at uh, projections. Then it gets more interesting. Uh, Good chunk of people base uh, their pick on the name of the school or the team. 5% select the winner based on the team colors. Another 5% do it based on the team's mascot. And 2% say they base it on something else, which to me is mysterious and intriguing at the same time. Now, I said this earlier in the show. I have no idea about college basketball. I'm going with the Tennessee Volunteers against Gonzaga. I like Orange. That's Tennessee. And Gonzaga's in Spokane, and I've been there. It's a nice city, so that's... My mentality, picking it uh, across the glass. Mosh, you have absolutely no idea. You no. Would, you wouldn't know. No. No. Couldn't if I wanted to. I know a faith read from the U of R uh, women's basketball team went Gonzaga and Arizona, so uh, we were half right, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, now, here's some other stats as it relates to March Madness. An estimated $10 billion just in the States alone will be wagered on games this year, which is about 30% more than the Super Bowl. $4 billion of that will be illegal money. The annual revenue for the NCAA last year was nearly $1.2 billion, and the NCAA distributes around $170 million of that to Division I schools. College basketball's highest-paid coach is not Mike Krzyzewski, who's about to uh, uh, be done at Duke. It's 
Kentucky's John Calipari, who makes $8.1 million. And to the players, the NCAA shells out nothing. <laughs> now, for what it's worth, the average division... One men's basketball scully is seventy-one thousand four hundred bucks, or about seventeen thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars a year. Corporate bosses in the states. Now, this isn't Canada, mind you, just the states. They'll lose about thirteen point eight billion due to unproductive workers during the tournament. The average worker spends six hours watching games. It's not as bad in Canada, but it'd be higher if you factored in uh, people here watching, and they do watch. And even people who aren't fans become invested. If they do NCAA bracket pools at work or online like we do around here, the odds of finishing with a perfect bracket, that means guessing all the games correctly, 1 in 120 billion. So that's not, uh, that's not going to happen. In other sporting news, the uh, Chargers are signing former Patriots cornerback J.C. Jackson to a five-year deal worth $82.5 bucks, including a $40 million signing bonus. Now, this guy is a, an emerging star that not a lot of people have heard of. He's allowed eight touchdown passes in four years, and in that same span, he's picked off 25 passes, uh, so he is a stud. I don't know if he's worth $40 million guaranteed, but the Chargers... Definitely think so. Deshaun Watson talked to the Browns today. Saints and Panthers are making a push. And now the Atlanta Falcons. So if they go for him, uh, where does Matty Ice end up? Maybe he's in Indianapolis because the Colts did look at trying to get Deshaun Watson from Houston. However, uh, Houston would not make a trade within their division. And I would suggest strongly Deshaun Watson should get more of a haul than Russell Wilson. Uh, Tom Brady is back, as we know, but... uh, We've heard enough about Tom. How about we hear from the guy who thought he was going to be the Bucks' new quarterback? No! 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 <laughs> that was a quick moment in the locker room with the guy who thought he would be the Bucks' starting quarterback. So everybody's excited about him coming back to Tampa, except the equipment manager. He's a little bit miffed because he now has to go back and underinflate all the footballs that he fully inflated 40 days ago. <laughs> He's like, no, I got I to gotta put the balls back the way they, the way they were. Did you see that poor sucker? Oh, man. Did you see that poor sucker yesterday? Uh like Brady announced he's coming back and just the day before he spent $520,000 on the football. Jeez. Yeah, and that thing's going to be worth like what? Nothing now, essentially. Well, it'll be worth something, but certainly not worth what he paid for it. Uh did you see Adam Hadwin too, the golfer in the Players Championship? It was it was it was um really uh messed up because of the weather, so they had to finish it on Monday. He finished ninth. Tied for ninth, and because he took such a big jump up, he went from a uh, a Michael Ball payday of a hundred thousand dollars to producer Ryan payday of five hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I wish! So he is smiling like a butcher's dog. Hey, coming up tomorrow on the show, man, we got a great show lined up for you. We'll hear from Mike Adam of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We're also going to have Henry Burris. Join us. Yeah, Henry's going to talk about joining the BC Lions. Henry. Mike Hogan, voice and communications guy for the Toronto Argonauts, will join us. Dante DeCaria on the road with the Regina Pats. What a beauty. uh, Yeah, he's going to tell us about the Pats' hopeful hopeful victory tonight over the Medicine Hat Tigers. We'll talk some U of R men's Cougars basketball. And I'll leave it as a mystery right now. We're going to take a walk down memory lane. It's Wednesday. It's Where Are They Now Wednesday 
on the sports cage. This has been our presentation on a Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries. I'm Ballsy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.